Welcome back to your therapy tools. Today's episode is a little more about anxiety and a little information about safety behaviors. So safety behaviors in terms of anxiety are things that we do with the intention of keeping ourselves safe. It's fleeing a situation and going to your safe space. It's rituals that we develop to feel more comfortable when anxiety or panic attacks hit. So it's natural to want to keep yourself safe, but sometimes the things that you do have an unintended consequence of prolonging the fear. So every time you engage in a safety behavior, you reinforce your anxiety. And I have an example here. It's a worksheet from psychologytools.com and it has Homer Simpson and Lisa, his daughter. So this is a great example of the beginnings of a safety behavior. So Homer says, there's not a bear in sight. The bear patrol is working like a charm. And Lisa says, that's specious reasoning, dad. And Homer misunderstanding her says thank you and Lisa says by your logic I could claim that this rock will keep tigers away as she picks a rock up off the ground and Homer says really how does it work and Lisa says it doesn't it's just a stupid rock and Homer goes "Uh uh-huh and Lisa goes but you don't see any tigers around either do you and Homer says Lisa I want to buy that rock now imagine Homer starts to carry that rock around all the time and that he is more worried about tigers when he doesn't have the rock with him. So how could Homer learn that the rock does not keep him safe from tigers? Do you think he would believe someone if they simply told him the rock was not actually keeping him safe? And how do you imagine he would feel to begin with if he experimented with leaving the rock home and going out into the neighborhood? Would this feeling be likely to last forever? If not, why not? So how could Homer learn the rock does not keep him safe from tigers? Well, Number one, he would have to know that there's really not a threat of tigers in his neighborhood. And number two, he'd have to leave the rock at home and face his fear that a tiger might jump out out of nowhere. And to begin with, when he left the rock at home, he would be feeling anxiety and fear, right? But do you think it would last forever? Or, over time, as he walked through the neighborhood again and again without the rock, realizing there are no tigers, do you think his anxiety might subside? So think about exposure therapy. Exposure therapy is when we step-by-step, little-by-little expose ourselves to triggers that cause us to have anxiety 
So let's just, let's take a look at what a social anxiety disorder looks like. Okay, so this is also known as social phobia. It's a pretty common anxiety disorder. It affects about 7 to 14% of people at some time during their lives. People with this disorder are intensely anxious about some or all of the social interactions and public events of everyday life. They know that their fear is excessive, but they are unable to overcome that anxiety around other people. Everyday events like making a phone call, buying things at a store, attending a meeting or going to a party, and sometimes just simply speaking to other human beings can be extremely difficult and stressful for people with anxiety. People with this disorder are constantly worried that others are watching or judging them negatively or mean them ill will. They often avoid social situations. They're usually only comfortable at home, either alone or with family members. And they may feel lonely because they want contact with others, even though it scares the hell out of them. Now, it's important to note that having social anxiety disorder is not the same as being an introvert. It's completely different. Introverts are not afraid of social situations. They're irritated by it. Um, They they charge their batteries by being alone, whereas an extrovert needs to be around others to charge their batteries and feel energized. So an introverted person does not necessarily have anxiety. And the person with social anxiety is not necessarily an introverted person. You may have been an extrovert who loved being in the spotlight, who loved being around others, who used to go to the mall every week and shop all day, and something happened in your life, and now you're terrified of all of those things. So what are the primary symptoms of social anxiety disorder? Symptoms include intense anxious feelings in social situations, and a consequent avoidance of them. Um, Excessive illogical fears of being scrutinized or negatively judged by other people. And physical symptoms manifest that can include confusion, pounding heart, sweating, shaking, blushing, muscle tension, upset stomach, vomiting, diarrhea, and so on. In addition, using substances to deal with anxiety can really impede your ability to develop healthy coping skills and often leads to addiction. So think of the person who can't go to a party without having a few shots of whiskey first to loosen up. They have anxiety. Uh, The person who relies on smoking marijuana in order to be out in public. Otherwise, they have a panic attack. And while these things may seem helpful, self-medicating can only work so long. You're still going to have the anxiety. 
you still won't have those healthy coping skills that you need. So it's important to work with a therapist, avoid excessive use of substances for self-medication reasons, and learn some healthy coping tools. Doctors may prescribe medications as well. Um, It's important to not rely on a pill to fix your problems. You really need to develop healthy coping skills, expose yourself to the things that frighten you, and learn to self-soothe and get through the moment. And eventually, once you learn these skills and practice them on a regular basis, eventually you'll get to a point where you'll feel the anxiety coming on and you'll tell yourself, okay, I'm feeling some anxiety. I've had it before. I'll get through this. And you sit with the feeling and it passes instead of causing you to respond by fight, flight, or freeze, right? So it is possible to manage those symptoms to a point where eventually you notice the anxiety, but you can cope with it in a healthy way and it doesn't disrupt the quality of your life anymore. There is hope. So with a lot of people with social anxiety and panic attacks do develop addiction through self-medication. And then then they're faced with a co-occurring substance use and social anxiety disorder. And it's important to get treatment for both. So if you have been dealing with your anxiety by using um, substances, then you have to address your addiction as well as your anxiety because now you've become addicted to a substance and you're using it to mask or put a band-aid over another issue. And that will be your go-to self-medicating procedure for any issue that comes up for you. And you'll become completely addicted and you won't be able to develop any coping skills. So on top of the social anxiety, you'll have withdrawals. You'll have other physical symptoms because substances affect our our bodies in a negative way. So addressing social anxiety disorder through medication or CBT or other therapies while a person is still actively using a substance is less effective. It's important that you get rid of that substance you're using to self-medicate with to really face everything with a clear mind and use mindfulness and be present in the moment with your treatment. Otherwise, you won't retain the new tools and skills that you learn. So in the body, when we have anxiety, our threat system, our fight, flight, or freeze is enacted. So once a threat is detected, your body responds automatically. And all the changes happen for good reasons, but may be experienced as very uncomfortable when they happen in a safe situation. Hence, you're having an irrational fear like Homer Simpson being afraid of the tigers in his neighborhood. 
So Homer Simpson puts his rock down that he bought from his daughter and he goes outside and he's terrified. There could be a tiger anywhere. Here's what's going on in his body. His thoughts are racing and that helps you to evaluate a threat quickly and make a rapid decision. It can be hard to focus on anything but the feeling of danger. You'll have a change in your vision. You'll develop tunnel vision or your vision becomes very sharp, like hypervigilant vision. You might feel dizzy or lightheaded. Your breathing will become quicker and more shallow to take in more oxygen and make our body able to fight or run away. Now, I disagree with that one because when you're breathing more shallow, you're hyperventilating yourself, you're not receiving enough oxygen and that causes the dizziness or lightheadedness. You're actually breathing from the top of your chest and you'll notice when you have anxiety or panic, the top of your chest is moving up and down rapidly. But at your rib cage area, there's hardly any movement. Everything is kind of restricted. And this means you're not using the full capacity of your lungs to take in oxygen and air. And this is why the breathing, the relaxation breathing technique is so effective with anxiety. So you, you're breathing shallow, you're kind of feeling that panic, and you stop yourself and you take a nice four second breath in through your nose and then you hold it for four seconds and you're going to feel your stomach expand and then you exhale <sighs> exhale all the air out and you feel your stomach sink back down if you do a few rounds of this four second in, four second hold, and four to six second exhale, and then hold with no air, and do a four second inhale again, do the process, do three or four rounds of that, you'll be amazed. It reduces your heart rate, it increases oxygen in the blood, it helps your logic mind to kick back into gear. So let's go on with some more symptoms. Your heart beats faster, feeds more blood to the muscles, and enhances ability to fight or run away. Adrenal glands release adrenaline. Adrenaline signals other organs to get ready. You may have urgency in your bladder. Muscles in the bladder relax in, in response to stress. Your palms may become sweaty. The body will sweat to keep cool, and this makes it a more efficient machine. Your hands might get cold, or tingly, or numb. The blood vessels in the skin contract to force blood toward major muscle groups. And in your thighs, your legs, your muscles might tense, getting ready to fight or to run away. They may also shake or tremble. So it's important to note where you feel the anxiety in your body when it starts kicking in. So if you don't already know the answer to this, it's important to make a note in your notebook of where you feel it first. 
and where you feel it second. Do you get lightheaded? Do you clench your jaw? Do your hands get cold or numb? Do you begin to vomit or feel the urge to vomit? Do you lose control of your bladder? Does your mouth get dry? Do you feel your heart racing? Do you feel like you're not getting enough air? Think about where you feel it in your body physically. That's an important thing to point out to yourself. Because as, as you learn these symptoms in yourself, everybody's different. So as you learn these symptoms in yourself, then you'll know which area of your body to focus on relaxing as you do the breathing exercise. Let's take a really quick break and I'll be right back. Okay, so I've given you the breathing exercise and I have explained that you have to learn where your symptoms manifest physically. If you feel those symptoms manifest physically on a regular basis, I highly recommend that you grab one of the episodes here on relaxing. One of the uh, hypnosis meditations for anxiety or for letting go of anger is even a good one. Learn to relax your body and practice the breathing technique all the time when you're feeling good. Do it when you wake up. Do it as you're cooking breakfast. Do it as you're folding laundry. Just practice it when you're not having anxiety. And then when you do have anxiety, it will be a lot more effective. Because when you're doing it while you feel good, you're actually training your brain. This type of breathing is a signal for us to calm down. I have some tips for managing anxiety and stress from the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, ADAA. And their website is www.adaa.org slash tips manage anxiety and stress. So if you want this worksheet, that is where you can find it. Take a time out when you're having stress and anxiety. Take a time out. Practice a yoga pose of some sort. Listen to music. Meditate. Get a massage. Learn some relaxation techniques. You can find those in my hypnosis meditation episodes. Step back from the problem and clear your head. A very good technique for this is to journal the situation. So you're externalizing the problem by writing down what happened right before you had the anxiety. Then you write down where you felt the anxiety in your body and how you reacted to the anxiety. And then you write down what you did to calm yourself and soothe yourself. Did you run to a safe place and hide from others? Did you get away from the situation and move on? Did you listen to music? Did you do the breathing? What what helped you to calm down? And then you close that journal after you externalize it and it goes through your hand 
through the pen into the ink and onto the paper. It's now out of your body. You put it in the journal, you close it. Give it a day or so. And then go back when you're feeling relaxed and read it and try to identify what triggered you. And then you can work with your therapist to figure out why that triggered you. Uh, The next tip is limit alcohol and caffeine. So alcohol and caffeine can really aggravate anxiety. It can trigger panic attacks. If you stay hydrated and drink a lot of water, that's a lot more healthy. If you're going to drink alcohol, drink in moderation. Don't use it as a self-medicating tool. And if you're addicted to caffeine, it's a good idea to try to wean yourself off of it and if you can't wean yourself off of it um, reduce your intake the next tip is to exercise daily you don't have to do a boot camp routine you can take a simple walk around the block a 10 minute walk that is sufficient if you can do more than a 10 minute walk excellent but getting rid of that excess energy helps to get rid of some of that anxiety and it also helps to release happy hormones that give you a better sense of well-being the next tip is to slowly count to 10 and you can do this while you're doing the breathing on your fingers that will put you in a mindful state so you're counting to four as you inhale through your nose slowly and you put a finger out And then you hold your breath to the count of four and you put another finger out. And then you exhale to the count of four or more. Get all the air out of your lungs. Then you hold with no air in your lungs, put another finger out. And each time as you do the rounds, you pop another finger out. And your fingers are counting to ten slowly as you're doing the breathing. So you're focused on two things. And it takes your mind off of the scary thoughts. And it puts your focus onto your body and to relax. Next tip. Accept the fact that you cannot control everything. You can only control you. You can't control other people. You can't control situations. You can only control yourself and how you respond. The next tip is to eat well-balanced meals. Don't skip any meals. Always try to keep healthy, energy-boosting snacks on hand. I am trained in diet and nutrition in relation to mental health. And there are several different foods you can eat. And different fruits and herbs you can add to your water that will infuse it and um, actually help reduce anxiety. So this is a good statement, eating well-balanced meals. Even if you're on the ketogenic diet, if you are on a paleo diet, vegetarian, vegan, whatever your diet choices are, there is a solution for everybody. If you're interested in that, leave a comment or email me at elizabethlmft at outlook.com. And 
I will get back to you with the assessment and see if I can help you with that. The next tip is to get enough sleep. This is huge. If, if you get terrible sleep and if you have anxiety, you already know this. If you get a terrible night's sleep and you're restless and you wake up tired and you know that day you're likely going to have some major anxiety, um, good sleep is one of the best tools for combating anxiety. When you're stressed, your body needs additional sleep and rest. Anxiety causes quite a lot of stress on the body. So it's important to try to get eight hours of sleep every night. If you're having terrible, poor sleep habits, um, it's important to develop a sleep routine. So prior to going to bed, an hour or two prior to going to bed, you develop a ritual. It could be a lavender bath with candles and a meditation. It could be that you do some relaxing yoga stretches and then you sit down and read a book. It could be anything that helps you to feel calm and relaxed and it's important to stay off of electronic devices at least an hour before bedtime because the blue light in the computer in your phone actually ignites the awake centers in your brain and TV is the same thing that light just lights up your brain and says yeah it's it's, it's okay to stay awake don't go to sleep yet So try to cut out all of those devices. Make sure your room is nice and dark, slightly cool, comfortable, and cozy up and listen to a meditation, music, CD, or listen to something from the Calm app, C-A-L-M. That's a great app. A lot of people find it very helpful. Or you can go onto YouTube and type in 528 Hertz Miracle Tone DNA Repair and Healing. And you will get something very similar to what I'm listening to in the background here, which is very calming and relaxing. If you need a teddy bear to snuggle with, get one. Whatever you have to do to get that precious sleep. When we sleep, our body is regenerating cells. It's healing itself. There's just so many factors to good sleep. And when you get that good sleep, your anxiety will be reduced. It is kind of a miracle drug, sleep. Take deep breaths. We've already covered that one. The next tip is do your best. Instead of aiming for perfection, which really is not possible... Be proud of however close you get to perfection. Be proud that you've done your very best. Give yourself a little congratulations. Every little tiny thing is sort of a big deal. So every tiny step you take is a pretty big deal. Give yourself credit where credit's due. Avoid the negative self-talk. Maintain a positive attitude. Adopt some positive affirmations that you say every day. 
get up and say, I am grateful for all the love in my life and I welcome all the love that's to come. Get up and say, I release all of my fears and I welcome social situations with open arms. Give yourself some sort of a personal mantra that's positive like that. Use present tense wording when you do it as well. You really want to draw that energy into your heart and soul. The next tip is to put stress in its perspective. Is it really as bad as you think? Put those thoughts on trial. If you don't have hard evidence to back them up, then it's all hearsay from your anxiety monster who is usually never right. So throw it out. Don't focus on it. Focus on what's right in front of you. What's real. Another tip is to give back to your community. Volunteer work. Or find another way to be active in your community. This creates a support network. And it gives you a break from everyday stress. It feels good to go do something nice for people who can do nothing for you in return. And by all means, do not post yourself feeding the homeless on social media. That really soils the whole thing. Make sure that you go and do something nice and you keep it anonymous. Nobody knows it but you and God or your creator or if you don't believe in God, nobody knows it but you. And it allows you to hold and prolong the magic of the feeling of doing that. And it is, it is another miracle drug, really, that helps a lot. Another tip is to talk to somebody. Pick somebody in your support system and tell them you're feeling overwhelmed. Delegate some responsibilities. Be very clear and concise and let them know how they can help you. You know, oftentimes when we see a family member or a friend and they look overwhelmed or they may be experiencing anxiety, we misjudge that as they're being cranky or they're being snooty or we misjudge. We don't know what's going on with you. So you have to let us know. You have to be clear and concise because the people that love you want to help you. They want to be there for you because they love you. So reach out to them. Don't be afraid to ask for help. I know it's hard to ask for help. You're used to being independent and taking care of everything yourself. It takes a lot of strength to ask for help. And if you're strong enough to handle living with anxiety, you're definitely strong enough to ask for help. The next tip is learn what triggers your anxiety. We've talked about that already, the journaling and figuring out why and how and where and all that. So for the biggest benefits of exercise, try to include two and a half hours of moderate, intense physical activity, like a brisk walk every week. So two and a half hours. That would mean if you did a half an hour walk, every day you got that covered um one and a quarter hours of vigorous intense activity each week such as jogging or swimming laps or you could even do jumping jacks in your living room 
or a combination of the two. Set small daily goals. Don't overwhelm yourself. You have enough on your plate. Set small, small goals. You're going to do one thing different every day. So choose a different type of workout every day. Throw on a a Zumba video from YouTube. And the next day, try belly dance. And the next day, ride a bike. And the next day, do yoga. Just change it up. Make it fun. Don't get stuck in a boring routine that feels like a chore. Because you're worth it. You deserve to feel better. And scientific data suggests that frequency is most important. So stay consistent. Stay consistent. By changing it up every day, you could stay consistent easier because it'll be fun. It'll be something to look forward to. Find forms of exercise that are super fun. So there's dance, there's line dancing, there's so many things you can do. Another tip is distract yourself throughout the day. Use an iPod or portable media player or download audiobooks, podcasts, or music. A lot of people find it's more fun to exercise when they listen to something they love. Recruit an exercise buddy or an accountability person. It's easier to stick to your routine when you have to stay committed to a friend, partner, or colleague. There's a lot of helpful stuff on there, huh? And then we also need to look at dealing with anger and impulsivity, which sometimes go hand in hand with anxiety, right? We start to develop anger issues. We tend to be a little impulsive. So it's important to improve expressing your emotions when you're angry. We all know the wrong way of doing that, right? Breaking things, yelling at people, cussing people out, telling people they're stupid, refusing to hear other people. All the all the angry, horrible things we do when we re- re- react with anger, right? So, again, you know, try to stay away from substances that can cause you to lose your inhibition and, and become more irritable and angry. It's harder to control when you're stressed out, tired, and then you've had a few drinks or you've taken some sort of substance like speed or something and you have a difficult situation to deal with, you're, you're liable to uh, explode. So s- stay away from substances, decrease your use, or stay away altogether. A daily mood chart sounds stupid, but works great. You, you, uh, you plot episodes of anger and irritability, as well as other events that might be related. So you think about how much caffeine you're taking, you're, you're logging it, you're logging the substances you use, your sleep patterns, your life events, and you're kind of getting up in the morning and saying, what kind of mood am I in? How do I feel right now? And you write it down. So each day you're logging those things. And after seven days or so, you can go back and kind of look and start to identify your patterns, which is extremely helpful. Become aware of your trigger points for irritability and impulsivity and your anger signals. Your anger signals are felt in the body the same way anxiety signals are felt in the body. So when you become angry, 
Where do you feel it in your body? Does your face get hot? Do you clench your fist? Do you grind your teeth? What do you do when you're angry physically? Practice relaxation techniques, breathing techniques, and meditation. Listen to how you come across to others and change your language. Angry people tend to be demanding. Try saying things like, I would like, or could you help me with this? Instead of saying, you need to clean up your mess, you could say, I would appreciate it if you would clean that up. Thank you. Use I statements as much as possible. I feel disrespected when you yell at me. I feel frustrated when you walk away from me when I'm trying to talk to you. It hurts my feelings. It makes me feel angry. I feel angry right now. I need space. Stay calm. State your case. Make your feelings known. But stay calm. Don't yell. Don't break things. Keep your cool. You may decide to tell other people that you will talk about it later. You may need a little time out. We all need a time out sometimes. And if a conversation or situation is getting too heated and you can feel yourself getting ready to explode, tell the other person, I really want to resolve this issue. However, I am feeling overwhelmed and frustrated right now. I need time to process and I would like to come back to this subject and resolve it later. Set a time and commit to that time and show up and make sure you calm yourself in the meantime so that you can logically look at the situation at hand and fix it. The mood chart on the Black Dog Institute website can be used to plot anger and irritability as well as depression, disappointment, your use of stimulants or alcohol. The problem-solving, goal-setting, and change sheets can assist in breaking down problems into manageable steps and achieving a win-win solution. So the website to grab that mood chart is www.blackdoginstitute.org.au. All right, and that is the end of this podcast for today. So I hope that you have taken notes and that you will put some of these tools to use and take control and manage that anxiety. Thank you for tuning in, and remember, you are in control of you. You always have a choice and life always gives us a second chance and that's called tomorrow. Make it a great day.